And, oh, we're live, boy. All right. Alter State Podcast, guys. Episode 23. 23. It's going to be an awful lot better with some with some intro music. <laughs> All right. Soon. Getting, getting, having do, a hard time. Do, 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 do. Alter State. <laughs> it is the Michael Jordan episode. Oh, man. See, really, that's what we got to start doing. We got to start linking episodes to the great right. athletes that associate. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, I don't know anymore. Wait, next week's Ken Griffey Jr., man. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. You're right. I, I would find him. I got Griffey. Him. That's true. And we got McGuire. That's true. I know most like the single digit guys were too late. 26. I don't know. We'll get, I'll, we'll figure I'll out. get you there. Yeah. We used to play this game uh, at my parents' house that, um, when we'd all be sitting around drinking, like, say, me and my uncles and stuff, like, on Easter. Right. And it was when we would go around the table, <clears throat> and, like, it was a drinking game, but we started at one, and you had to name an athlete with that number. number. Oh, okay. And work all the way around. Yeah. Um, and then when you couldn't, you had to drink, and the next person started again. It was a fun game. See, I was a nerd, so we would do the alphabet, and you got to name a movie. Ah. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I typically... I, you know, I, I blur those lines between athlete. Oh, and, me too. Me too. Well, that's not true. I was never an athlete. I have liked. I right. liked athletics. I right. liked hockey and baseball, but no one has ever confused okay. me for an athlete. Hey, is that guy training for the Olympics? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Beer league softball is as good as it gets. Well, that's right. That's right. Which is pretty damn good. So we had a pretty good day. We did a little uh, microcon. Yeah. Had a good experience. Met some cool people. Sold a few toys. Some comics. Uh, Dusted off the shelves. It, was, it felt good to be back in the con game. It did. Yeah, it was nice to get out there and uh, bullshit with some people. Everybody was really cool. Yeah. Um, and it got us to hook up for next weekend for Toy Man Toy Show. Yeah, which is uh, we, we pimped it out when we went. Stoked. It's like six, eight months ago. Um, yeah, we did an episode right after. That's we right. had a bunch of fun there. That's right. Yeah, we talked about like some of our favorite toys going out. So now we're actually going to go out uh, and sell some of our shit. Yeah, be on the other side of the table, yeah. move some toys. Um, Get to know some more cool people, hopefully. That's right. We'll have uh, sweet artwork. We got some great, uh, you know, paintings. We got uh, uh, just the prints. We got some yeah, frame stuff. Prints, we, cool got frame stuff. Yeah. we got of course, tons of Funko Pops. That's right. Um, some cool toys. Um, some really unique signed stuff. Yeah, but that was fun. I had a good time. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, you know, cons are cons. It's always a good time to bullshit. Right. I mean, I saw more. Kevin Smith universe stuff that I've seen in a long time, right. like on T-shirts and things like that. You know, t- you know, telling Steve Dave type shit. Um, saw Bluntman and Chronic shirt. You yeah, know, it, was, it was good to know. Felt well, good to be among our people, right? Well, it's good you to know. know that I'm not just the only old nerd out there still keeping yeah. that business alive. <laughs> yeah, still carrying the torch. That's, right. Right. that's my favorite thing about cons is that really you you sit there and whether it's a a, a toy con or today was mostly comics. Um, or whether it's even like the big wizard world that that draws a different crowd, you still find that it's everybody from every walk of life yes. coming around, having a good time. Like the the different types of people that I saw walking around today in the antique mall, like just flipping through long boxes right. or looking at toys. Yep. It, it was just yep. it's 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 always cool to see. It's yeah. I, I think for a lot of us, I I shouldn't speak for anyone. I, I'll speak for myself. But I don't think I'm isolated in this. And that I grew up very much loving these things, but not very many of my friends did. Right. So, you know, there's kind of that natural outcasty feeling 
right? When you're going into a comic book store. And then when you go to a con, you realize, like, oh, no, I'm not an outsider. Like, this is this is my tribe. Um, and whether it be movies brought people into it or older siblings or cousins right. or cool uncles or weird neighbors, <laughs> seeing that community come out is always like yep. that's just a super reaffirming thing to me yeah to be like yeah. yeah man my people are out here damn right and liking all the cool shit damn right so yeah so that was a good time uh, we're gonna do so I told you we're gonna do Toy Man next week we got Floor Fest the week after yeah so solid three weeks yeah, of cons live music that'll be a good time yeah Floor uh, Fest for, for anyone that's listening is like what the hell um, so like this Microcon and uh, Toy Man are very much like uh, what you would typically expect of a Comic Con, or right. you know, like you just have tons of vendors and different tables. Floor Fest is this really cool thing that Tyler Cash um, from Hard Loss uh, puts on, and it's the weirdest, cool all day event. Um, it's next Saturday from, or not next Saturday, the Saturday following the tenth, um, from eleven a.m. to seven p.m. and there's local artists selling like cool original artwork there's a street hockey tournament there's uh it's being emceed by a, a local wrestler um yeah Wait, I, how did i not even know yeah that? wow now i'm really going <laughs> um and then there's a bunch of cool local bands that are playing too so it's like it's gonna be a bunch of people drinking and carrying on eating barbecue and playing hockey and listening to punk rock and checking out art like it's a very cool sounds like an alter state podcast right it's a super super cool scene that really kind of fits us totally well so please uh, come on I'll I'll share the link out the floor fest thing we'll pimp it out more next week for sure Um, because it's gonna be a bunch of fun totally and uh, just to get our plug shit out of the way, we're also going to do a Springfield Microcon in November. Yeah, November 7th. Uh, yeah. Take the show on the road. That's right. So we'll get some more info on that. If you're out in that area, come see us. If you're out in that area and you come see us, I will give you something for free. If you come for to my sure. table, for sure for I sure. will give you something. If you come to Springfield Comic Con. Fucking A right. Okay. We'll get that out of the way. You finished Stranger Things. Oh. You saw Zombieland previews. Oh. Saw Picard previews. Uh, we saw the boys preview. Mm. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, <laughs> there's there's so much to. I, I feel like I say this every week. Yeah. But what a goddamn great time to be alive! Fucking like the amount of just cool, weird nerd shit that exists is truly, truly remarkable. That's to right. Me. Like uh, the boys. Actually, I'm sorry. Before we do that, so <laughs> we were grabbing some beer at this grocery store, and fucking Hostess, as most of you know, we are not healthy people. No, 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 no. Um, and I'm not necessarily, well, that's a lie. I like my candy and my junk food. Yeah. Like my beer and my sodi. I'm not a big cereal guy, but Hostess put out donuts, powdered donuts, fucking cereal. And honestly, I, I, I know it's going to be horrible. But I had to try it. They don't even put it in the cereal aisle. It no, was in the hostess yes. aisle with the donuts it next was, to the bread. It was right above the um, uh, the, fr- the little apple pies. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had to try some of this. I'm going to try it I can't live. wait. Try it live. Oh, those are bigger than I thought. Those are, those are not... That's not Cheerio size. It is a little bigger than Cheerios. I thought that was going to be... Very does it smell like diabetes? It does. It does. Let's see what we got here. 
I mean, let me find out. It's soft. Ooh. There's something powdery in there. Oh. It just tastes like pure marshmallow. It does taste like marshmallow. Yeah, you're Ooh. right. It just tastes like a box full of the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. Yeah. Whew. So if you're into that. Yeah. So I'm going to say. Handy. Uh, you know, I, obviously uh, Post is not a sponsor, so that shit sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. Ooh. That's terrible. Whew. But it, it was sitting there. I had to try it. See, but I also feel like if you poured some milk over that, if you poured that, half that, half Honey Nut Cheerios into a bowl of milk, that might be a tasty treat. Like if you cut that, I, I think it would be good. It's too much on its own. Sitting there and breakfast in the morning. What are you doing, honey? I'm cutting my cereal. Right. Yeah. If you cut that with some Cheerios, then you might be onto something. And even that's. So that, mean, that means the street value of this is higher than your cup Cheerios. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's why it's on the donut aisle. That's right. That's right. Okay, so that's out of the way. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. uh, random shit. Speaking of random shit, that was the cracking of a White Claw. Yeah. Which it, is a dangerous game. Fucking John's got me trying a White Claw here, which I was convinced was Zima, for those of you who are my age. I, I, I just had this for the first time playing softball Friday night, and I, I can't drink these forever. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll be drunk and stupor. I'll be like Friday night me all yeah. the time. Spiked um, sparkling water with a hint but, of ruby grapefruit. I got the ruby grapefruit, obviously. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. And it's 5%. I don't understand <clears throat> I just how. don't know if I can bring myself to drink them for the night kind of thing. Definitely not. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like I can't buy them anymore because like it's going to come out in 10 years that whatever Flavoring. fucking yeah. thing this is made of is... It makes your entire body combust because it, it doesn't already, make sense. That already came out. That's alcohol. And <laughs> that's in everything. In but it, it doesn't make sense that this can taste so light and so refreshing and so watery and be 5% alcohol. I, I fundamentally don't understand I, it. I just feel, like I said, I, I drank it. It's good. I might have another one. Um, but I feel like I should be playing volleyball on the sand afterwards yeah. or I, I just feel it's more of a I just finished mowing the lawn maybe right not uh, eating a fat greasy Bob's burger right which is what we're going to do after this we're or some hostess dip powder donut cereal <laughs> right Woof. Yeah. that is still sugary in my mouth I'm not going to lie that's tough I'm not going to lie uh, would you do me a favor and crack that beer oh open? I would be delighted to alright so I just want to get that out of the way that bullshit's over with let's get into some real nerd shit so you finally so, finished up Stranger Things Oh my god! I finished up Stranger Things, and I—I I don't think I can say enough about what I've been wanting to ask you because I had to wait till the end to see it. Did you know the Neverending Story song? Oh yeah. Okay, so you're a Neverending Story fan, of course. Okay. okay. Well, and not only am I a Neverending Story fan, I thought like I was little... also a Newfound Glory fan, well, so and again, the very first from the screen to right. stereo. Right. That is that is arguably the best track on that cover album. It's true. Um, they, they ripped yeah. Never Ending Story. That's true. True. Uh, I, I like the, um, of course, everything I do, I do it for you, yeah. kid. Uh-huh. And then that thing you do was a fun yeah. one, So That whole... It's a great album. That whole... All of their EPs. covers are great. Yeah. I mean, one of the best pop punk cover bands next to me, first and Gimme Gimme's, hands down. For sure. Hands down. For sure. Yeah, Stranger Things, um, third season, man. Uh, Hopper Dead? No. No? Can't be. Uh-huh. Is he... In the upside down. Upside down. Yes. Okay. Is that's he coming, is he that's coming my out? thought. Yes. Okay. Is he going to be a big part of the next season? Yes. Oh, okay. I. I don't think he will. As much. I, think I, I think he's still alive. I think he's still in it, and we'll see him. 
I don't think we'll see him much. Well, I say all this for a couple of reasons. I, I think um, you, you have to toe the line when you're creating a story like that between um, grittiness and, and reality mm-hmm. and also, like, fun and playfulness. Because this, this age, you know, you're... Are you going to be more Goonies or are you going to be more... more yeah, more yeah. it. Yeah. So, and you got to toe that line. Yeah. And I think ultimately, the fact that Elle has been through so much, her losing another parent is an unacceptable thing to do to that child character and keep at, expecting her to keep... But the, they did it. Right. As far as but, she knows. But they won't... That's why I don't think they'll maintain it. Okay. Because I think... She already has the weight of the world on her shoulders, and she doesn't even know what the world is. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then to to lose Hopper, I think it's unfair to do to her. And on a separate note, I think it's also a bit of a cheap way out for Joyce. I think taking her love interest in back to back seasons. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think about that. Yeah. And then the fact that the first season was all about her going crazy looking for her son. Right. I think they can. You continue. If you continue to just victimize Joyce Byers, yeah, um, it loses its panache. Like even this season, that was the one thing about this season that I didn't love is that it was still. Joyce Byers being like a kooky victim that has like not nearly to the extent though. not nearly yeah. to the extent but like how is she constantly the one trying to play this in the adult world when no one else in the adult world wants to believe it yeah and she just looks like this kooky conspiracy theorist but she's also like the only passionate one that can make things right. I, I just think you're I think it's milking that character one step too far by not letting her have Hopper Okay. You know, think about how, like, this season, Jonathan and Nancy, you got less of their romance Mm -hmm. and more of them just as characters that are clearly in love. Right. And I think the the series benefited from that greatly. You know, I think, like, the first season was all the will-they-won't-they of it all. And the second season was it coming together. But now, like, you could... Get rid of that tension in favor of new, interesting ways to tell stories. And I think Joyce just being a victim, it's like, you're, you're not giving me a new, interesting way to tell a story now. Sure, I see that. You know, yeah. You're not allowing any of these characters to develop. If if Hopper stays dead and right. Joyce just has to do right. that right. again. Okay. I don't know how I feel. I really don't. I... I saw he signed on for another Netflix show, which made me nervous. Yeah. Um, but then it was already released, so I don't... You know, it's like, okay. Uh, yeah. So that made me kind of think, well, he's gone. The game is yeah. not a thing. Um, he's in the Black Widow movie. He's in the Black Widow movie. For, yep. Um, he did the ill-fated Hellboy that I haven't even seen. I know. I'm bummed that I... I, mean, I haven't seen it either, but... Is that out on DVD yet? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, people shit on that from day one. I feel like I need to watch that. Yeah. I need yeah. to find out. I mean, I didn't, and I never heard anybody like specifically say what was so horrible about it. Just don't go see it. Basically, all I heard. I talked to. I had a former student come back and visit me at the end of the school year, and he was a big Hellboy fan. Now, he graduated the year before, and like the end of his senior year was like the whole production of that, and he was all. We were always talking Hellboy, yeah. and then when he came back to visit me, he had just recently seen it, and his his issue 
was he said it felt like they tried too hard to make it a hard R. Uh, he's like okay. he said like the violence forced was gratuitous okay. and the fuck yous were gratuitous. Like he was like, it's one thing to make something that's gritty that has that language and those Definitely. violence, right. right? Right, and it works. But he was like, it didn't feel natural in how they put it to like like right. it was like it, it clearly seemed like they were looking at the Deadpool and Logan model and saying, I, I want to do that. Well, opposed to that audience, story, not right? Really, yeah. Opposed to telling an interesting story. So I I don't know if that's that was the one review I got sure. from a big yeah. Hellboy fan, right? I always viewed it and well, not that in particular, but movies like that with like the Watchmen. I really enjoyed the Watchmen movie, totally. I you know, but a lot of people who were hardcore comic guy fans shit all over it. Uh-huh. I loved the comic myself too, but right? In, do. I hate when you compare because they're different mediums. Right. You take them in differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're always going to have the source material. And, and glitch. Now we're back into Watchmen. producer, John. I know, man. I, I got a shit computer. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so watch me. Yeah, I was just saying, I viewed it, you know, people shit on that kind of thing. Um, but I love both for different reasons. Totally. And that's okay. But I feel like nowadays... If you don't stay true 100% to the source material, no matter good or bad, they're going to shit on it. Well, that's I, I feel like that's what has been the benefit of the of the MCU. Mm-hmm. I think the MCU is the first people to show a wide audience that we can be based on comics, but differ widely and still be good. Yeah. Like, I feel like I hear less of the, oh, this was better in print, than I did... Five or six years ago. Right. Right. Or ten years ago when The Watchmen came out. You know, I, I think... Because you're 100% right. And that's how I've always felt. It's like... I, I love the comic. But I love the comic for reasons that I can only love a comic. Exactly. And I love movies. And I love movies for reasons that I can only love a movie. Right. And the idea of it, them having to be identical is... That to me is a fucking cop out. Right. I want to. I enjoy a comic or a book over a period of time. Right. A movie I enjoy for two hours. Yeah. Hour and a half. Yeah. And I take it in. I get it out. I can't do that with a eight long, eight year long right. comic series. You can't do that. Right. You know what I mean? You take and, it and in you shouldn't it. need to. Right. So when you put eight years into this hour and a half, it's gonna come out different. Right. And it should come out different. Yeah. So. And I, I feel like it's it's lazy. It's lazy, lazy criticism. Totally. Because you have all these people that are like... And that's all. It's criticism oh, for the sake of criticizing. Well, the, the, you're, you're getting one of two different fan bases that are saying that. You're getting half of them. So hopefully that's better and the computer doesn't crap out. But again, you're getting one of two audiences that are complaining that way. One, you're getting the person that just wants everyone to know they read. Right. You know, like, that, I feel like that's happened. It's someone like, the book's better. The right. comic book's better. Right. Oh, good for you. You fucking read. Right. You know, and right. I think that people want to do that. And then I think the other half is people that are the opposite. People that, like, read almost never. So the one book they've read, they love and worship. Right. And they're like, well, this movie didn't make me feel the same way. It's like, well, because a book can give you complex Shows. emotions right. in a way that a fucking right. movie can't. A movie shows you and tells you basically what right. you think. You interpret a book much differently. 100%. You fill in so many blanks in your head in the story yeah. than you ever would in a movie. 
if they had done it in a movie, you'd be like, they're not telling me a story. Right. You'd be pissed. Yeah. So. It, and, and I think people's inability to to divorce those things is, is, is a detriment. Absolutely. To, but that being said, people have been making movies out of books for the last hundred years while people are right. shitting on it. Right. And so clearly people in the industry understand like, oh, those people are fucking schmucks right. too. But it is... I think it's it's a unique thing in comic books in that, like you said, the story's intentionally told over so much length. Right. You know, when you're talking about adapting a novel, even a 600-page novel, you're digesting it once. Right. Now, depending on the speed of your reader, maybe right. you're digesting it over a week or two. in a weekend. Right. Maybe you're doing it in a month. Right. But you're still digesting it in one fell swoop. The most comic Whereas comics is yeah. months to a year. Right. So, like, you're, if you're reading a trade paper, you're like... Right. Oh yeah, this is a whole story. Little do you know, it took eighteen months right. for that whole story. Or even with the trades, to be released. you're really you're reading the story arc. Right, that story, that story arc. You know, those yeah. twelve comics from that year or whatever. Boom, this was that right. story. It relates to this story. So when people are like, "Well, the movie only told this story," yeah, no shit. Yeah, because the comic was going can. on for fucking ever, and you can't tell every right. story in one time. And I think that's why the MCU. So again, with this. Fucking computer. Um, the MCU saved us from that because they are telling all the interwoven stories. So I think anyone that has a gripe always feels like, "Ooh, they'll touch it next time. They or they'll touch it in five something. movies, or right. they'll or they'll right. salvage it at this point." Right. So that's why during the MCU, you're not getting as many people like, "Oh, well, this isn't right. exactly how that story well, arc ran. Right. Civil War is very different." Because well, no shit. They tell a Captain America story, which. Millions of people can identify with and uh-huh. recognize and follow, but then they throw in a crossbones reference. Right. And that's where the nerds are like, that's where yeah, you're you for hit me. me. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so with Civil War, it was like, I, I've, I've never been shy. Civil War is my favorite series of comics ever. Mm-hmm. Civil War was told over nine months in every Marvel issue, right. every right. Marvel character. I, right. There's like, 85 fucking comics of Civil War, man. Right. Um, and all of them, when woven together, tell a beautiful story. Yep. You don't need all of them. Right. You know, if you just read the, the, the Civil one War, through right. eight Civil War, right. good story. You're cool. Right. But, like, the additional information and stuff. So, when they announced Civil War, I was stoked understanding that, like, Captain America Civil War is wildly different. It, it approaches some of the same themes. Right. Is the Civil War comic line? But it's wildly different. Right. Um, you know, the comic is still Cap vs. Iron Man. Right. But for all sorts of different reasons right. and all sorts of additional characters. And Spider-Man's a massive player in the comics. Right. I mean, that, and that's his first public unveiling. But I also felt like at the end of Far From Home, when you got that public unveiling, it almost, it it felt like a callback totally. to that. Yeah, it felt right. like, you're right. you know... As, yeah. as publicly as I shit on that two weeks ago, and stand by, all, I stand I, by my shitting. Why I think it that was a, the <laughs> wrong move, the wrong choice. Um, I do think that was a callback to that moment. Gotcha. Yeah, I I, I see that. Totally see that. Um. So that was Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can we? I love how we just, like, throw a topic out there and we end on something. Uh, Sure. Which is great. Hey, let's talk about, uh, I don't know. uh, I'm not going to go there. I'll I'll, I'll say something horribly inappropriate, so I'm not going (laughs) to. Can we we take a minute and appreciate, speaking of Stranger Things, before we move on, 
how wonderfully they have let the tone of the show reflect the age of the characters. Yes. Like, the fact that season one was visually very dark and very confusing the same way a ten-year-old is very confused and very weird. Yeah. Um, How season two was like this emotional triangle of figuring out liking girls and liking boys while also the world is at large so you're just feeling kind of yucky right and then season three was this like super glamorous like total total fucking 12 year old of a show yeah that like watching that i felt like i was 12 i was gonna say they made they were more 80s than the 80s, but in a good way. Right. Like, it wasn't overly done. It was... Uh-huh. Everything was right. I mean, you know, the mall, they had it locked on lockdown. Yep. That's where Sam Goody would be. Yeah. That's where Baskin Robbins would be. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. There's the Glamour Shots place. So, yeah. Oh absolutely. God. It was it was nails. Totally and, nails. Right. Just... And I... But it wasn't... It never, at any point, felt like... It wasn't in your face. Right. It wasn't... Right. It wasn't gratuitous. No. It wasn't... Exactly. Exactly. It didn't... It, it always felt organic. It Absolutely. felt like, oh, yeah. this is here because it should be, and not I, look at my 80s knowledge right. for knowing this, right. like, which, which was so cool. And I... That, that is now one of my favorite all-time scenes on any Netflix show, is that whole never-ending story song. Oh, my God. Flashing to the kids in the car, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Flashing to the adults, like, in the thing, like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah it was They're just waiting for so numbers great. to save the world. Oh, my God. It was so good. Yeah. So good. Was, I was so excited for that. Yeah. It was just uh, fun because delightful. At first, he started singing it, because I've been binged watch, like, the first weekend. I was yeah. done. And it was hard not to talk about it because I love Never Ending Story. Oh. That was like, shit, man. <laughs> and that was such a wonderful moment. Oh, my God. Never Ending Story. Uh, I feel like it doesn't get the respect it deserves. I think this helped, obviously. I agree. But I think unless you're our age, because it's never on TV anymore. Yeah. It used to be on, like, Saturday or Sunday afternoons all the time. I think it's viewed well, as scary now well, because I, it's I, too much for kids nowadays. Well, I, I think it doesn't, it doesn't play the same way. It, it's yeah. one of those movies that meant something to us because it was the best way you could possibly tell a story. Like, you'd never seen things like right. that before. Right, Yeah, a kid reading and, a story. Right. And, yeah. like, for people younger than us, they have seen it before. Right. Um, so that's not to, like, poo-poo on different generations. Right. But like, <clears throat> I understand why it doesn't translate the same way. Like, that's fair. I think if I... The first movie... That I would argue was like, holy shit, this is real to me, was Jurassic Park. Okay. Everything before Jurassic Park was the first time I'd seen something like that. So everything from the 80s and 90s and into the late 70s was like groundbreaking. If you were born after, if you were born in a post-Jurassic Park world, then you've been born in an era where things could always, like... There is no such thing as an impossible visual. Right. If you were born after 1994. Right. right. Um, I don't want to get too far, but I got two things. Mm-hmm. One, what was the dragon's name in Never Ending Story? Do you remember? Was it a Treyu? Treyu was the boy. I forget the name of the dragon. But why hasn't that been a pop? <laughs> and uh, what we were just talking about? Shit, I forgot the other one. Um, Jurassic Park? I need to write it down. No. No. I'm sure there's a million Jurassic Park pops. 
There are tons of Jurassic. Yeah, there's even like dinosaur ones. They, the raptors have their own thing, and yeah, yeah it's great. The, my favorite though is uh, Ian Malcolm in the sexy. Well, pose. no, that's not my favorite. My favorite is Dennis uh, Nerdy. Oh. He's got, he's got <laughs> Newman. The, Newman. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he's got the uh, or, or the yellow jacket on. Yeah, um, with like the, the raincoat on. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he's holding uh, the shaving cream can. Uh-huh. It's a pretty good pop. It's a pretty good pop. Uh, that's a pretty dope pop. Yeah, I gotta. Yeah, I gotta check that one out. Um, one of those random things. Did you know the outfit that he's wearing in that scene in Jurassic Park? Uh-huh. Uh, is the same outfit Chunk wears in Goonies? Oh shit! The shirt. There was like a callback. Yeah. Like, yeah, do the truffle shuffle. You're right. Damn right, I'm right. <laughs> those are two movies that I loved, right? And I'm pretty neurotic about shit. I yeah. can't believe I didn't know that. That's right. I'm a little That's right. as excited as I am to hear that from you. I'm a little disappointed myself. <laughs> it makes me wonder: Are they related? Are they the same person? Could be because that was a long time ago. That was the '80s. Maybe Chunk grew yeah, up. Yeah, but Chunk wouldn't be that big of a piece of shit. I don't know. I could see Sloth burning through a lot of his money, <laughs> eating baby roofs and shit. I mean, if they're roommates, he's probably broke yeah. as fuck. <laughs> God, Dennis was a real. Fucking he was. Uh, what a great Sam Jackson vehicle that was. Mm-hmm. Hold on to your butts. I was just going to say that. <laughs> that's all he says, right? Right. He, I think just he him, taps on the screen and that's about it. Yeah. Typing on the keyboard just with the c- cigarette hanging out of his mouth yep. is the, like an indelible image to me. I don't know why. We're getting way off top. I don't care. Greatest, because you couldn't do this anymore. Uh-huh. The cigarette hanging out of the mouth scene is Ghostbusters, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. I try. Dan, act like I used to steal cigarettes from my parents just to try to get to stick to my lip. Like right. I wouldn't smoke it just to hold it there and talk. Yeah, because he talked for like yeah, like three right. sentences before it fell. It's like so good. Dan Aykroyd nailed that. Oh god, it's so good. And I want. I always wondered like, was that supposed to stick? Was it just? Does it just happen that way? Yeah. A little, you know, little, little white mouth. That you know, those so you just have cotton little, mouth. Right, right. Bankman, Bankman, and then it falls. Right. Like, oh fuck, that's what. That's so great. Oh man, <laughs> people are like. It's so stupid. Dude, that's a, what was it? People were all up in arms about the smoking in Stranger Things. Right, right. It's it too like, much. Yeah. Oh my god, no, that's what no. made it believable. That's exactly right. how it exactly. was. Yes, that's a that's a important. And I understand, like in the '90s, when people were like, "Well, we can't be showing this because even though it was real, we were trying to stop out smoking." Yeah, I would say at this point. The, the dangers of everybody knows. Yeah. We are a generation into the truth movement. Right. Like, at this point, I don't think a movie or a TV show is going to make someone start smoking. Right. Right. You know, like, no one's, no one's going to be like, oh, shit, Hopper looks cool with that cigarette. Right. Right. You know, like, if anybody, it's a Not for, tiny few. Yeah. And it's probably, and if people are that gullible, it's probably people that are going to start smoking anyway. Yeah, right. Because their dad smokes. Yeah. Or their listen, brother or whatever. If you... Take no other advice from me. Nicotine is way overpriced. Just do weed. <laughs> There's no chemicals in it. You know, it's more fun. It's more fun. You're not going to hurt me, buddy. Uh, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Cigarettes are way overpriced. Oh, definitely. I haven't bought a pack of cigarettes for years and years and years. But every time I see it, I'm like, it's like fucking nine bucks for a pack of cigarettes, man. It's ridiculous. Are you serious? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! Last time I bought cigarettes was so like in high school. I was one of the earlier part of my crew to turn 18 and I've, I've never been a smoker. Um, my dad made sure of that because he smoked a fucking million a day and, yeah. it, and he smoked in the house and it drove me absolutely <laughs> oh, bad yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, 
So I was never a smoker, but I was one of the first ones to turn 18, and this was a time you that 18-year-olds could buy tobacco. Right. You right. can't do that oh, anymore. Oh, is it 21 now? It's 21 now, oh, bud. I had no idea. Um, at least in, in St. Louis. Oh, St. No Louis idea. City and County. Is that because of the jewels? Or is that I don't know. I think it, that happened... We're like two, three years into that. Oh, okay. I, um, so it's it's recent, but not, not not outrageously recent, but relatively recent. Um, but since I, since I was one of the first ones to turn eighteen, I had to go buy cigarettes for all my smoking friends. Um, so like, for, well, not like cute friends, right? Smoking friends, not like smoking hot smokers. Like smokers. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I don't know. It was like four and a half bucks, maybe. That sounds probably about right. Yeah, for a cigarette, you know, in the early two thousands. Um, mid 2000s, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that would have been like, oh, when did I turn 18? 04? 05? 05. Yeah, so it would have been the best. Um, uh, when I was a kid, my first job was at Schnucks. Uh huh. And I'd been there long enough and I was trustworthy. I could do back stock. You know, people yeah. checking out, they brought shit back. Uh huh. You'd always pocket those cigarettes. What's up, boys? What's up, guys? Come on in. We're just talking about some Surprise podcast guest shit. Show. That's Surprise right. Surprise guest show. That's right. Look at that Hawaiian shirt, yeah. Gibson. Oh, my God. Like that. It's a good look. What the hell is that? I found it at Goodwill. Um, it's highly flammable, and it's got girls with tits on it. That's a gem. I can't believe right. it's a Goodwill find. You, you look kind Three of bucks. like... Uh, Three bucks? Right? That's a steal. Did you guys ever see True, Ran- True Romance with Christian Slater? No. Mm-mm. <laughs> I feel like I don't want to. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas. How about that one? Mm-hmm. Right, put those sunglasses back it. on. I have not seen it. Kind of fear and loathing in Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I was going for the party look today. <laughs> yeah. And the Natterday really ties oh, it all painted together. Painted the basement already. Yeah. yeah. Painted yeah. the basement. Got got the uh, shit up on the walls. That looks very nice. Oh, thanks. Got a lot done, too, in my house. So it's yeah. Like home we're, renovation. We're on the move. Yeah. So, so, so what are you guys talking about? Um, Politics. Yeah. Religion, yeah. <laughs> mostly no. politics. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stranger Things. Yep. Comic That's books. Right we did a <laughs> we we did a con today. Um, yeah, how'd that go? Pretty well. It was good, man. Well. It was fun. We got set up. We're gonna do a toy man convention next Could've week. Could have made it. I forgot. I forgot it was today. Yeah. I had some little bit of time. Not much, but it was fun. It was. It was. Let's uh, take a quick break. I got to yeah. piss and get another beer, and we'll come back. For sure. And we're back. We are back. From, for you guys, what seems like a 30-second ad pause, but for us was a roughly four hours of the Bob's Burgers cookbook. Nice dinner, a few beers, some good friends, a good conversation. It was nice. Yeah. So nice. You, you got a little teaser of Fox and Gibson back in the game. Yeah. Um, looking like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Right. But naturally, as time goes on, they had to evacuate and we have all the nerd stuff to still get to. Damn right. Um, I don't know. I wrote this down. I didn't bring it up with you earlier. Okay. I know you're not a well, I don't I, I don't know. Um, I'm a big three eleven guy. Okay. They dropped a new album. It is number six in iTunes. Really? Which shocked the shit out of me. It's a good fucking album. Really? I mean I I, I I'm jaded. Sure. I love every three eleven album. Sure. I know a lot of people say a lot of it sounds the same, and I, and I get that. But well, I don't, I don't to me, when you hear a Three Eleven song, you know who that is. Oh, for you, sure, they have a sound. You know, for what I mean? sure. Um, and it's I, like I said, it, it, they hit me at the right time. You know, the stoner vibe, yeah. little rap, reggae, a little rock in there. Um, you know, I was in high school, I was in college, <laughs> I did a couple Three Eleven days. You know, yeah. fun. 
It, like, it's with, always positive too. Well, like, you know, it's it's the the fine line of you have half people say, "Oh, they don't sound like they used to," and the other half people are going to say, "They sound like the, every song's the same." And y- you can't please everybody. No, never. For me, uh, three eleven was never my vibe in a big way. Like I was just not quite in the right generation. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Yeah. Um, three eleven. About the same time. And frame. the Chili Peppers. Both bands. Oh, who's that, this guy? But, <laughs> um, they're both bands that I super appreciate. Um, I, I respect the shit out of what they do. And both bands have jams that I do dig. Sure. Um, but they're also not bands that I run out and jump toward. Totally. That said, um, oh, probably, it's probably 10 years ago. I was 20, 21. Um, we had a friend who worked in catering at Riverport. Okay. Um, and 311 and Mattis Yahoo were coming. Yes, I bet I was there for that show. So, um, they were calling around looking for catering help. And I was in the industry at the time. Um, it was my buddy Jeff who called. He was like, hey man, I, I'm going to carry the show. You want to come work it with me? Knowing that, like, I'm not the person that would get starstruck by that by crowd. That. Sure. So I was like, yeah man, that'll be great. So I went out, I served them all food, and, like, everything was fun and cool, and, like, the whole goddamn back of Riverport was just a fucking hot box. Right. Um, right, yeah. Which was, like, for me, at 20 years old, I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm gonna get stoned to shit and right. serve these dudes food. Um, but, like, all the food service ended before uh, 311 set. So okay. it was like we served, it was like we were serving dinner to the bands. Right. So we served all the way up until Mattis Yahoo started. Okay. Um, and then during Mattis Yahoo set was when we were like breaking down and cleaning up. So when 311 started, we were done. You're done for right. the night. So, so we're like, oh, let's go and watch the show. I had never seen 311. I never had interest in seeing 311. I had a fucking blast. It's a fun show, isn't it? Like, yeah. When they're doing the whole drum thing. Badass. Like super, super fun. Yeah. Super. And like, I love live music. Any way you give it to yeah. me. So, like, I, I know that I'm kind of a sucker for that. But holy shit, dude, like, I had a totally different perspective on 311 yeah. after that. They're a band that I will never buy their records, but if I, someone ever called me and was like, hey, you want to see 311? I'll say, say absolutely. Right. Right. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Right. That, that drum solo, you know, now it's the whole band who does a whole big right. thing. Right. That's what it was. It's like a 20 minute thing. Yeah. That has, because I've been a fan since. I don't even know what to date it. I, I mean, mid late nineties. Yeah. Right. Um, I their first album was music. I got into like the second and found, the shit. Right, grassroots. Found them at grassroots and just built since there. So it's been huge. Um, but that drum solo started off as a minute and a half drum solo. Just the Chad doing his thing on the drum. Blah blah. Yeah. blah. The guys would go off, come out. Yeah, get a breather. They wouldn't do anything. Right, just come out and keep into the song. And it's morphed into he was doing you know ten minutes on his own kind of thing you know yeah. stuff and then and then they brought shit it's it's morphed in this whole like fifteen minute part of the show right it was like it was like Nick was bringing out yes. bongos and shit they're, they were now oh. they're throwing sticks you've seen they throw sticks with yeah other it's fucking great man it was gnarly it's awesome because it shows that they want to put on a great show for right people. well and it's like I think it's cool in that they've always done that yeah. But like, like I said, when I went, my buddy Jeff 
was a big 311 fan. And he had told me before we went, he was like, <laughs> dude, they're going to do this drum thing. It's going to be dope. So, like, he knew it was coming because he'd seen them live before. <clears throat> but it's one of those things that, like, like you said, they've always done, but they've continued to evolve. evolve it, right. So it's like, change it up. Oh, here's this cool shtick so, that 311 also, does that makes their live show fun. Right. But every time you go, it's, it's going to be like a weird, evolved, different version. Right. Kind of like when you go see Blink, you're going to see an out-fucking-standing Travis Barker drum solo. Right. But right. you have no idea what it's going to be. Right. Like, I've seen them. I have... The first time I saw Blink was the Enemy of the State Tour. It was the first concert. Oh, oh, the okay. first big concert I ever went to. I was in seventh grade. Yeah. And I went to that. And, you know, like, that was Travis's first tour. And he had, like, a cool fucking solo that was like oh shit this isn't this is pretty rad right and then over time he's doing the goddamn motley crew upside down you know upside down shit he was there was a point where he had a second drum kit in the middle of the riser that was in the in the stands at riverport like all these different what i've seen now like their drum their setup now is just three dudes at the front of the stage guitar drums bass all right up the front that was what they did when i when we went and saw them in vegas uh, last winter, me, Gibby, Fox, and Sean went out to see a Blues Knights game in November of last year, and we and Blink was doing a residency at the Palms, mm-hmm. and it was their last night at the Palms. So they're naturally we're just fucking shit housed. I mean, it's about as drunk as I've been in a long damn time, um, and we're there having the time of our lives. But it was it was that it was all three of them just in a row. Like, drummer, not right. behind anyone. That's cool. And then they had uh, John Feldman from Goldfinger oh, yeah. came up and did, like, three or four songs oh, with him. Badass. It was fucking That's cool. Awesome. It was one of the cooler shows I'd been I to. I haven't seen Blink at a show for a long-ass time, man. Um, well, this September, we'll be yeah, there. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see them. I haven't seen them forever. And they're doing the Enema of the State tour. They're doing all yeah. of Enema. That's awesome. And then some other greatest <laughs> hits. Yeah, maybe little Little, uh, little Wayne will be there. Right. It well, depends on what day it is. All he, his drama shit. But dude, Lil Wayne's fucking fun to see live. That's what I, I know. That's why I was kind of bummed when I saw him kind of, you know, shit kind on. Kind of being a little bitch about hey, it. Hey, the crowd's not here. I'm not going to come out. Dude, you still get paid. Right. Dude, fuck off. I, I don't get that mentality. Me neither. If there are four people out there and they're your fans, you go out there and fucking dude, play. The amount of times I have played shows to, to other the, bands to the and other band. girlfriends. Exactly. For no money. Right. Because it was fun. Right. Now, I've all... They're fucking 19. So I can't adjust to that life. Like, if it's... Um, but it's just bizarre. We, we ended up seeing... Uh, when Chaffetz Arena opened... Mm-hmm. Um, so this was... 08? 09, maybe? Um, they had a, a kickoff show. And it was so bizarre. It was the starting line... Um, who we all love. I dig Sorry Line, yeah. Um, Lil Wayne. Okay. Chingy. Okay. And then a, a country act that I don't remember. What like was they wanted, for? like, for the opening of Shake It's Arena. Oh, okay, okay. And so we went, and it was, it was fun as fuck. Yeah. But it was like, so goddamn, <laughs> it was like middle of the day on a Saturday. It was like a festival deal, right? But in a fluorescent arena on like a Saturday in May, it was fucking crazy. That sounds crazy, but I had a goddamn blast. Sure. And now when I saw uh, Weezy was going to be on this one, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, man, that'll be fun as fuck. Yeah, I like the way. That'll be a good time. That sounds crazy now, but looking back on the old radio festival of the '90s, 
that's kind of what shit was. Like, yeah. I remember I'd go to a music festival and you'd see uh, Candlebox. Okay. Rock. You'd see Blues Traveler. Yeah. Weird. Rock. Grateful Dead. Yeah. Some, just kind you know, of all of it. Cowboy Mouth. Rock, but still, you know what I mean? Yeah. More Blues Traveler than Candlebox. And then you'd see, like, a Blink. You'd see, like, the Ramones. Um, and then, like, the most random. And then Beastie Boys. You know, that was, like, a 90s so radio weird. point fest, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, every genre. Like, we've talked about before. Every genre, unless it was classic rock, was alternative. Yeah. So everything under the sun was fair game back then. You go see Wilco, you know, Sunvolt or Wilco, whatever you want. Well, there was no Wilco, so it was probably Sunvolt or Uncle Tupelo even back in the day. Little rock, folk, country type shit. Mm -hmm. On the same bill as Green Day. Uh, you know now, it, which is cool. Yeah. But, oh. But if you say that nowadays, like no one will. Sh- no way. You're going to get either Green Day fans. Or you're going to get these fans. You're, yeah. You know, not, which you're I, probably going to alienate both because the show's going to be too expensive for right, everyone. <laughs> right. Uh, well, shit. I remember one of the first ever. Kind of get back to 311. One of the first concerts I took my kid to was a 311 show at Riverport. And looking back, I'm not saying it was a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> Because I like 311, they're very sure. positive, but yes, there's a lot of weed associated with it, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of weed, but it's also not like, there's nothing in 311's music That's that would make them sure. inappropriate right. for a kid to see. No. Now, the opening act was Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Questionable parenting. Snoop Dogg in the 90s, was, no less. Or in the early right, 2000s. Right. It was, yeah. It was, that it was, was a chronic 2001. It would have been... Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. It's the motherfucking D-O-double-G. Yeah, this was probably... No, this was probably like right after... Let's see. This probably have been maybe... 06? Okay. So it was a little more drop it like it's hot. Yeah. It was, it was in there. You know what I mean? Um, it's so weird. But still very snoop. It's weird when we have these moments... That our age difference shows up, and you're like, "Yeah, my, I took my son to his first concert in '06." I was like, "Yeah, that's my senior year of high school." Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's right. Shit, that's right, that's right. Which just goes to show that, regardless of the decade, I'm pretty fucking cool. Fucking a, <laughs> fucking a. I might have been at that. show. No, I wasn't at that show. I didn't see 311. I remember around that same time. Uh, Blink, the first weird Blink tour, since it's on the theme yeah, of Blink please. tours, um, when they released their self-titled record, um, so they toured that probably, my, I'm going to say this was 04 or 05, mm-hmm. like maybe my junior, my, yeah, it was like my junior year of high school, maybe my sophomore year even, uh, it was like 04, 05, they had fucking Cypress Hill open. 311? No, Blink. Oh. Oh, okay. I was going to say. And it was the most bizarre shit. Like, we went, and we were like, you know, fuck yeah, like, we're all Blink kids, but we also all fucking grew up on Insane in the Membrane right. and all that shit. That it was like, it was like the fucking fat uh, Cypress Hill weed party, and then Blink self-titled. Dude. Which was like the weird, moody that's Blink what, record. Yes, and that's what I miss about going to shows where you don't necessarily know all the bands. I found so many great bands. I found 311 by, they opened for Cypress Hill. That's why I was no like, No shit. They, they got booed like a motherfucker because it was not their crowd. Yeah. But I was like, you know, me, I'm like, I fucking dig this. And yeah. The next day I bought a fucking, you know, CD. Um, first time I ever saw No Doubt when they were still fucking Ska. Punk Ska opened for 311. No 
Oh, First shit. time I ever saw MU330, they opened for 311. The Urge opened for 311. I saw so many fucking amazing bands come through. Who no shit. Fucking Let's, So, like, the ninth time that our shit has fallen the fuck apart... Um, the first time I saw Newfound Glory was opening for a Blink show, and it was uh, Newfound Glory and Alkaline Trio, yeah. and it changed my whole perspective on that shit. Like I, I will never forget. Al- and Alkaline Trio was the first opener. They opened with Private Eye, and they closed with Armageddon, and I was just like, "Holy shit! Right. This yeah. is." This is what life can be. Yeah, man. This is remarkable. Yep. Like, it, it just... And not to get back on the 311 thing, they were the first band I ever saw that did... In concert, mm-hmm. they they had, like, an opening instrumental track. Yeah, you know like what a mean? montage like, deal. You know, yeah. just get it, it led into something that was never on an album. Right. Know? And the same kind of thing with, like, the drum solo. Mm-hmm. You had to see a live show to really see 311. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And like I said, we saw I saw Goldfinger. That's the first time I I got in to punk ska because of Three Eleven because that's the kind of bands they had right. opening for them. They had Goldfinger, they had Real Big Fish, they had No Doubt. Yeah, and I fell in love with all, I, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. You know, oh, fuck. I fucking fell in love with all those bands through Three Eleven. So the and then I, I you know and I branched off to pop punk for the longest time, but uh-huh. I never you never went away that. from the Three Eleven yeah. stuff, man. I, just, I still love it. So the weird thing, so the urge, um, how I ended up there, um, we were talking earlier about, uh, my family friend that sprays for bugs. Sure. Yeah. Shit. Um, so it's Christy Rensing that way. Their, uh, Christy's nephew, their cousins, the Jost's. Right. Jerry Jost. Um, and my mom, who was a hairdresser all when I was growing up before she was a nurse, cut all their hair. So Jerry Jost used to come over to my house to get his haircut all the fucking time. Um, when I was eight or nine years old and I wanted to start playing music, um, it was right when the urge were gaining popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom called him up. was like, hey, John wants to play music. And they sold me Jerry's first keyboard. Because I still have it back no there, sh- actually. No shit. Yeah. Um, the box is signed by him. Oh, awesome. Actually, it's sitting in that closet back behind us. Um, but we went there. It was my mom took me and Gibson. We're like eight, nine years old. And it was the Urge's practice space. Right. They gave us a shit ton of stickers. And we got to watch an Urge practice oh, nice. while they were rehearsing too much stereo. Oh, fucking badass. Like, Badass. Not, we had no idea what we were witnessing. You know, we're fucking nine years old. We're ten years old. Right. And then as, it was like a year later, that record came out, and then we started getting into like our preteens, and that shit was getting, and we're like, and me and Justin were both like looking at shit, like, we saw them play this in a basement. Right. For only us, because they were just practicing, yep. and we went to go buy this fucking keyboard, because my mom cut this dude's it's hair. Right. He said, like, dude, it was... That's still one of my favorite yeah. music yeah. moments. Uh, and we went, too. Um, what was it, two years ago when they had Wayback Point Fest that Goldfinger and The Urge played? Uh, we went with the Point guys mm-hmm. with like Corey and all this shit. And we were, we were backstage. And Gibson grabbed the fucking Urge guys. And Gibson says it to Jerry. Oh, he was yeah. like, dude, 
I know you don't remember me, but do you remember fucking Diane Bruns? He's like, right. yeah, man. He's like, I also cut her out. I was like, he was like, holy shit, man. That's her son. We used to fuck around. We, we went to fucking band practice and shit. And he, yeah. Like, he couldn't have been more gracious That's awesome. 20 years later. Right. Yeah, like, we're sitting there, and me and Gibson were both, we were like little kids again. We were That's both awesome. sitting there like, ah, you you were you were the guy for us. Right. Like, we were fucking kids, Fuck yeah, and man. we had to watch your fucking practice. Dude, I saw the urge so much. I saw you know, Mississippi Nights all the time. I fucking saw so many urge shows. God, dude, Mississippi Nights... Can we just take a moment to appreciate just how fucking cool Mississippi Nights was? I saw Green Day there. No shit. Yep. So I'm trying to think of the biggest shows I saw at Mississippi Nights. I saw... I saw Nirvana there. Yeah, you win. Uh, Nevermind had not yet come out. It was like a week or two away from coming out. But they had put out a, the single, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Which yeah. Got a little radio play early. Uh-huh. And I honestly, I didn't know who the fuck they were. But they were from Seattle. Yeah, I loved. And there was that. Sound. I, I knew the Pearl Jam thing. I knew a little Soundgarden. You know, I, I uh, knew the buzz. There wasn't like sure. it wasn't the Seattle thing yet. But there was but something was there. there. Um, and it, you know, fucking five dollars Mississippi Nights. Let's uh, fucking hang out. We were down there anyway. Let's fucking go in. It yeah. wasn't like it was a sold out show. We sure. Were down there and paid the door. Next thing you know, fucking months later, I'm like I fucking just saw those dudes. And the the, the show wasn't. I'm not gonna say it was the greatest show I ever saw. It's a good show. It's but a in the show. but in the moment, that's yeah, a different right, right. But when they played, I can distinctly remember certain songs. I'm like, that's a fucking amazing song. Like you, yeah. just, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then, like I said, I saw Green Day there right after Dookie had just come out. Oh my god, fucking that! Honestly, probably more than anything, changed. Music oh, I'm for sure. Me forever, right there. I'm sure. Right then and there, because all of a sudden it was okay to play that kind of music. Right. Like, I knew that was cool, but that was never mainstream. That was never going to make well, any money. It, it was okay to play four chords right. and sing about well, masturbation. It was okay to have weird, Well, not only that, shit. but somehow it was cool, because, you know, everybody's crowd surfing like you could back then. you jump on stage. Like, these guys, are, at the time, they were fucking uh-huh. basically kids. Yeah. Like, dude, they got zits and shitty teeth. This is me. I'm in. Right. I'm in. And they're kicking ass. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And everybody loved it. That's um, Mississippi Nights was the the, the venue I miss that kind of place that like Mississippi Nights more than anywhere else changed my life and it wasn't because of necessarily even the shows I saw there so it's like so when I was coming up you know I, I saw starting line play there and a bunch of like the drive through records bands yeah um, that were like my era pop punk. The Brews used to play there all the yep. time when, yep. when, when we were younger, and I used to just fucking worship the ground they walked on. Yep. Um, and then my junior year of high school, uh, we were working with a promoter that gave us a show at Mississippi Nights. And it was like, I we played the goddamn Creepy Crawl. Right. And the High Point, and the back room at Cicero's. Right. Like, we were that... The Midwest music pit, exactly like, right. We were that grinded yeah. pop punk band. We right. weren't, we weren't nearly as polished as anyone else right. in our scene. Second on the bill out of four, kind of right. All right totally, but, yeah. but we were a workhorse, man, and we right. and we drew a crowd. Yeah. Um. So we got a show at Mississippi Nights, and we sold seven hundred tickets. Fucking a. Um. And the other bands sold like four or five, yeah. and that place held twelve hundred tickets, and it was sold out. That's awesome. 
and awesome. I will never like that's that is deal. that's top th- taking the stage that night top three moments in my life I believe it yeah number Easy. one my kids were born yeah. number two getting married number three is taking that stage at that moment with right. my best friends like that was Gibson was fucking behind the tall booth selling our merch like we came out crowd goes ape shit we're all fucking drunk sure. our whole, all our friends are fucking drunk out yeah. in the crowd it was incredible um, Mississippi Nights was was it, and then when they announced they were selling it, uh, it was right after Blink broke up. Okay, and Travis and Mark had a little side project called Plus Forty Four. Yeah, they headlined there, so I went and saw Travis Barker and got, fun, got pictures of like Travis and Mark oh, there. Nice. And then Brand New, who were one of my all time favorite bands before Jesse Lacey got all rapey and ruined everything for me. Like you fucking prick. Um, uh, we went and saw them there right before Mississippi Nights closed the door for fucking Lumiere. And I feel like the St. Louis music scene has never recovered. I agree. That. Yeah. Like, that was a big the, hit. the Ready Room's a cool spot. Yeah. Uh, Firebird's a, a, a cool spot. Fine. But nothing will, at, like, Mississippi Nights was the perfect balance of, like, history, but also. Legit, right? You know, like I th- like I think it wasn't one of those places. To me, it's like RCBGBs. It's totally. You know what I mean? It's 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 what St. Louis music scene is. Right. It's what it was built on. And right. but but Mississippi Nights was never like it was never the novelty to the point of like oh this place is a shithole. But right. we'll like yeah. like yeah. it was a nice venue. Yeah. It was well maintained. The sound was Great. perfect. Yeah. The way it was built was what it was. Yep. It it wasn't astronomically old that it was like crumbling and falling apart like right. old creepy crawl right. was a piece yeah. of shit yeah um it didn't need to go no i agree but lumiere took it yep. and took the got whole goddamn landing with it right. i would argue that like that the why the landing sucks yeah is hugely associated with well they don't want anybody else they don't want to go anywhere anymore. else other than that one spot so yeah right that's if yeah. you go to the landing now there's, there's no landing right well there's there's fucking bars that like you show up to go there to see your friend and then you leave but right no one even goes there but right, like why, why would you right but you know back in the day it was not even back in the day fucking 10 years ago you know not yeah. that long ago yeah. it was a it was a pretty premier spot and the casino ruined that I go downtown all the time and I have been in the landing for 20 years last time I went to the landing what would I go for I went there maybe once to meet a friend from out of town who was at the hotel yeah, that's it. I think last time I went to the landing... Will go Spaghetti Factory? Um, no. Right. No. Don't. Never. No. I, I think last time I went to the landing was like... Uh, probably with Corey. We took the golf cart down there. I bet it was eight or nine years ago. Like, I, I mean, even I'm 31 years old. I have not been to the landing. No. Uh, Corey promoted a party... A Halloween party at uh, the place that's now Morgan Street Brewery. I was talking about, yeah. Um, but it was before it was Morgan Street. Yeah. And I bartended that party, okay. me and Dirty Bird and Buckley. I was 21, maybe 22. So it was eight or nine years ago. Maybe 10 years ago. Like, but why else would I go to the landing? Right. What's the fucking point, right. man? 
I totally realize none of this has really anything to do with any pop culture whatsoever. I guess it does. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it has to do with... The... We're talking about 311 now, we're talking about the landing. But it's all good. <laughs> That's what we do. Don't you get it? We're 23 episodes Tangents. in, Brandon. Right. This is how far this is, we go. This is what happens. Uh, There's no laws when you're drinking claws. No, no. you're right. Before we forget, uh, before I forget, Zombieland 2. Oh my god. I knew the movie was coming. I did not know the trailer was coming, so it was like one of those pleasant surprises. Like, oh, uh-huh. fuck, this is out. Badass. And, uh, you know, I was in before it came out. Well, it, fuck, and I'm in and all in. Dude, I feel like it, it snuck up the same way the first one did. Like, True. Do you remember yeah. Do you remember when the first one came out? There was zero buzz. It was just kind of out. Right? I mean, granted, like, the internet wasn't what it is now. Right. But, I mean, that was... That was Emma Stone after Superbad. Yeah. So she had a name. A little bit. But no one um, was a, uh, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg didn't major. have much of a name. No. Woody Harrelson was Always. fucking Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Um, Abigail Breslin was in yeah. some shit. Yeah. And it it like kind of unceremoniously well, it came out early, and captured all of our hearts. The, and then uh, this one, I mean, shit, the, the first teaser image for Zombieland 2 was like a year ago. Yeah. And they haven't said shit no. since that teaser image. I think the first one only suffered as far as people not knowing about it. Because at that time, there was a lot of random zombie bullshit. Yeah. You know, Walking Dead had been out for a couple of years, so people are like, oh, let's do yeah, some zombie shit. Yeah, that was right shit. when that was launched. Just like, shit. like that random, like, like the zombie thing where the guy falls in love with the girl. Like that. Yeah, warm came, bodies. That kind of came Which out Which was there. fucking cute, man. I know. I like that but I, but I think it all kind of gets lumped into definitely. one thing. No, it, it's, it's, like, it's oh, I've seen that. That's the zombie funny movie. I've yeah, seen that's true. That definitely falls in the same category. But I fucking thought warm bodies was adorable. That being said, I also really just fucking like Nicholas Holt. I can't comment either way. I, I, I don't know. I haven't I, seen the movie. So. I think he's just delightful. Everything he's in, I just like him. Um, I haven't seen... I, I, Libby and I saw Warm Bodies in theaters when it came out. That's the only time I've seen it. So yeah. maybe it doesn't yeah. age well. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering. But I remember having a fucking fond time seeing it. Yeah, yeah Zombieland 2... Uh, the way they it looks came like out, everything it should be. The way they came out, and they're like, Academy Award nominee, right, Academy right. Award winner, yes. Academy like so all four of the stars are nominees or winners. Yep, and they're just dude. It's going to be fun. It will. I I don't know that I've ever seen a Woody Harrelson movie where I was like, no, right. That's uh, there's nothing. There's no Woody Harrelson vehicle I've ever just ignored. You know what, what I just watched the other day. White men can't jump. Well, I still like it because it's great. It's fucking One, a good rage. Two, it was in my prime Nike shoe phase. <laughs> There's so many great Jordans and all kinds of yeah. random shit in that. Um, but it was Money Train, the other Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson uh-huh. thing, Jennifer Lopez. Remember that? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's a good movie. There's some funny parts. Woody Dude, Harrelson and Wesley Snipes Woody plays Harrelson. so. I would not to get off on tangent, but I was kind of bummed. But Wesley Snipes wasn't going to come back as Blade, only because only because I want to see Wesley Snipes in a cool ass role again. But he will be. I hope Wesley Snipes will be in Blade. I, I hope so. And he, they will make him badass. Just don't make him Whistler. They will make him badass. I hope so. I don't know I how. So. Um, as far as I'm concerned, after New Jack City, Wesley Snipes is exclusively badass. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did I ever tell you about the first time I saw New Jack City? I don't think so. I, I remember almost every Nino Brown story. Buckle up, friends. Bring it on. This is a trip for the next ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> so, 21 years old, me and Gibson moved out to Vegas. Okay. To work for the World Series of Poker. All right. Um, part of our deal to move out there was Bally's uh, gave us, it was like 15 bucks a night. Um, for us to stay at Bally's because it was in the Rio family and we were working at the Rio. Okay. So it was me, Gibson, Jared, and our buddy Ozzy. Okay. Um, who was like a professional disc golf player. Fucking dreads down to his ass. It was a wild summer, needless to say. We get like eight weeks into the summer and there's this dude Lex um, from New York that we worked with on the graveyard shift at the World Series Poker. And this dude, Lex, was the most New York motherfucker you've ever met in your life. Like, accent, attitude, this dude was straight Bronx. Um, If you ever go out to Vegas with any of the Gallaghers, um, that's who Sean's still going to buy his weed and mushrooms from. Okay. Um, Gibson and I, however, are kind of his greatest enemies. Because of... We get into this, and, and me, him, and Gibson are working the graveyard shift, and he was like, hey, I I kind of, I rent these condos out, um, I, I own a couple condos, and I, I rent them out, and I, I, I'll, I'll give you guys a spot. We're like, fuck, we, we know this dude for eight weeks, like, right. not like our best friend, but like, we're living in goddamn hotel rooms, sure. and we're 21 and stupid, and we're like, yeah, sure, right. let's sign up. Um... So he comes and picks us up from Bally's with our suitcases, takes us to his, his condo, um, and he immediately, as we're getting there, gets us high. And we quit smoking pot like a month and a half before we went to Vegas because we didn't know if we were going to get drug tested, right. X, Y, and Z. So at this point, it had been like three, three and a half months since either of us had touched any fucking weed because we didn't know anyone when we were out there. So he gets us all high, and we're all fucking wigged out and shit. We get back to this condo. It's in the middle of the desert that has no AC. Ugh. So we're sitting there in a goddamn sweat lodge, and all he has hooked up is a TV, a DVD player, and like six DVDs. Yeah. And it's fucking Casino, uh, Godfather, New Jack City... And, like, three other... But it's all fucking, like, gangster movies sure. and shit. So we sit there, and we watch these... Really, it was Casino and New Jack City over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and this dude, Lex, keeps calling me the Dutta Man. Yeah. Because he thinks I look like him. I'm like, motherfucker, that's J. Jonah Jameson's henchman. Right. Don't come at me with this Dutta Man bullshit. But, like, he's Nino Brown, the fuck out of me wow jesus christ dude what's the matter with you and then he's gonna give us a ride somewhere and he takes us like 40 minutes into the desert and again me and gibson are stoned we hadn't been in a long time so we're like sitting in his car it's nothing but desert and all we've watched is new jack city and right. casino and this motherfucker just goes you ever think uh like real famous people like, do, like, human sacrifice? Like, like you think Justin Timberlake <laughs> ever killed somebody to get famous? I mean, Gibson, which are like, 
this motherfucker's going to try to sacrifice us and bury us in the desert. So we're like sizing him up and shit. We're like sitting in the car like, uh, I don't know, Lex. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I sleep with a gun under my bed just in case. <laughs> and then like we end up back at his house and he's fucking pulling out his gun and shit like while we're sitting around. And then Gibson starts, and you know, Gibson's not scared of shit. Yeah. Um, so Gibson real quick was like, oh, we don't got the proper AC here. Like, we're not paying you. And this motherfucker's standing here with his gun like, oh, you're not? And I'm here like, take my fucking money. Right. And Gibson's like, no, nah, bro, yeah. we're not paying you shit. And I'm sitting here by, it's like, here's my best friend. Here's the scariest motherfucker I've ever met whose house I'm living in. And I'm just sitting here high as a motherfucking kite. No like, shit. Uh, uh, uh. But New Jack City. <laughs> That's where it comes from. Yes. Kind of on the same topic, I saw the movie Boys in the Hood. Yeah. At the Union Station movie theater. No, I'm sorry. At the, um, not Union Station, um, Galleria. Yeah. When it, so obviously it first yeah. came out. I shouldn't have been there. It was not appropriate for a like a thirteen-year-old county white kid to be anywhere yeah. near that theater at that point. Who let me in? Yeah, the nineties were a strange time. Totally weird. I like I know Ice Cube. Sure, let's yeah. go. Didn't know that Ice Cube. No. But boys in the hood are always hard, man. <laughs> Come talking that shit. Oh, we'll pull your card. Damn right. Damn right. Oh, by the way, before we go any further, uh-huh. I just want everybody to know um, my poll earlier from Gibby walking down looking like true romance oh. was 100% on the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. I, just want everybody I, don't, to know. I don't know true romance, <laughs> but that was nails. Now, the reason I brought up true romance because at the time I was thinking Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just came out and I want to go see it. I can't wait to see that. And I hear it kind of wraps up a lot of his universe. Yeah. Like puts a, which, to romance is part of his universe. He wrote it. He said not directed. So weird. Very weird. Very weird. Which, by the way, before we go any further, we should pause so you can watch a scene of True Romance. Yes. And we will be right back after that. Okay. Sorry. So, we just, we, we, we just watched... Uh, I had to show you true some true romance. romance. Yeah, we watched the trailer. Brad Pitt being the the, the stoner couch fucking surfer. Right. Little Tony Soprano. Goddamn that! Uh, it's a great scene, isn't it? That so that moment yeah. between Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken is like when you showed it to me. It was perfect in a million ways, but the most like. That is the most quintessential Quentin Tarantino. Right? You can tell he wrote that, right? That, like, when you watch it, you're like, oh, this is who you've always been. Because that scene could have been pulled out of Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction or fucking Dust Till Dawn. That could have been pulled out of any Tarantino flick. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I love almost every Tarantino flick. Um, and I think True Romance gets forgotten a lot. Because he didn't direct it, but he didn't right. write it. Um, I, I have a weird 
I'm in a weird way with Tarantino. Yeah? In that, um, I love Reservoir Dogs. I like Pulp Fiction. Um, I like mo- I like moments from Pulp Fiction. Okay. But I don't love the movie. Yeah, see, that came out in prime the same like, time. Like, and I, I, I love Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. But I think I think a lot of Tarantino is um, I think it suffers to a lesser extent mm-hmm. than Zack Snyder, but I think it, I think they both have the same problem, and that they both make really beautiful, poignant moments, but don't do a great job of stringing them into films. I think Kill Bill, okay, wonderful, yeah. I love Kill Bill 1 and 2. Um, but I, I, I would say 50% of Tarantino to me is... Oh, man. You had three really fucking dope ideas for moments. And all of your trailers are going to be sick as shit. Right. But your movie is just going to be like a 10-minute vehicle to then get me to a 10-minute fucking awesomeness scene right. to then meet yeah. 10 minutes of nothing like I just mean and, and that th- that's always been hard for me to watch especially being in the world that we live in that I can I can consume the awesome 10 minutes on YouTube and just like and right. I don't have to sit through right I don't sit through 90 minutes of mediocre storytelling to then have those twenty or thirty minutes of fucking really cool moments. Right. Let me blow your mind again, real quick. Yeah. You. So one of your favorite Tarantino flicks is Inglorious Bastards. Yes. The Bear Jew. Uh huh. Eli Roth. Right. You want to know how that connects to this movie that I just made you see? Um. There's a there's a guy in True Romance. I forget the Bear Jew's real name. Eli Roth. Well, no, I mean in the in the movie, he's not called the Bear Jew. He's a, he's a Bear Jew, but he also has a real name. As an actor, he's I know, but I mean, well, I know his real name is an actor. But I mean, his, his name. Oh, okay. Not the Bear yeah, Jew yeah. is his nickname. They call him whatever his Jewish name is. His and Tarantino has confirmed this. His kid is a lawyer in True Romance. Forget. I, I wish I, I should have I wrote down the and, names, but and that's that's how Tarantino is, and that's cool. And right, I, right. I like that, right? But it, it doesn't it Just doesn't like change for me. The Vegas are connected between Pulp Fiction right. and Reservoir Dogs, but, but it, it, it doesn't change for me um, how I approach Tarantino. Like like for me, again, I think Reservoir Dogs is a perfect film. I think it's really interesting storytelling. I think it's really um, wonderfully told. It, it, it dances the line between right. sadistic and fun and intri- like it, it does a lot. Um, I think following up with Pulp Fiction, which everyone loves, and I I get it. Like there's a lot of Pulp Fiction that is really interesting. I love Pulp. Fiction. There's also a lot of Pulp Fiction that really fucking sucks, man. Like that that movie is that movie might as well be four different 
ten minute YouTube scenes. And then the other hour to hour and a half is fucking mediocre at best. How dare you criticize the great John Travolta comeback? I won't. His He's got fucking two of those four wonderful scenes. True. But so so what's, what, what don't you like? I don't like the way it's not... I don't know how to explain it. I, I feel like there's just a lot of chuffa. I feel like the exposition in that movie that, like, ties the characters together is uninteresting and not compelling. Like, like I think the... I would disagree. I think the highlights where the, where the characters um, interact with each other mm-hmm. and create those cinematic moments are, are wildfire. A lot of them. But I think the moments that got them there are just kind of whatever. Um, and so, like, so I'm guessing then you don't like like the scene where Tavolta goes to his dealer and hangs out there for a while, and like that kind of does that drag you down? I'd be lying to you if I told you I remembered. Is it just too much dialogue? Maybe. Well, I like dialogue, right. and maybe it could be that I was too young when I watched it and didn't get like I haven't I haven't sat down and watched Pulp Fiction beginning to end since I was probably fourteen. Okay, um, gotta give it a revisit. I think. Sure. So, I think so maybe uh, maybe I have a different view on it now, but I feel like I remember watching it and. Uh, I, I associated it really closely with Boondock Saints. Okay. To me. And I look at Boondock Saints the same way. It's a movie that I like. But it's a movie that has a few scenes that are fucking dope. Yeah. And the rest is kind of like, meh. But isn't that like every indie 90s movie? Which is what Tarantino Not was. Not Clerks. Clerks, is Clerks wasn't... But they didn't have like... I would say Clerks was more is a different genre, so it looks different as far as that's true. It's a different genre, and it's not gonna. Clerks is more dialogue, obviously, than anything right. else, which I enjoy. But it's the single shot. It's there's no raised stakes. No one's yeah. ODing. No one's getting murdered. You know what I mean? It's not it's sure just two dudes hanging out basically. But I yeah. know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I just I feel like. I saw Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. and, for that matter, Kill Bill mm-hmm. at pretty close to the same time. I bet I saw all three, and I, Kill Bill 1 and 2, I'm counting as one. I'm counting that sure, as a saga. Movie, right, yeah. But I saw those three or four, however you want to count it, movies within two or three years of each other. Okay. And that was all, for me... Because I, you know, I came in late. Like, so I'm, I'm a little younger. Um, I probably saw Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction around 2000, 2001. And I saw Kill Bill w- when they came out, which was probably okay. 03, 04. Okay. Um, and of those four movies, to me, Reservoir Dogs concisely told an interesting story Kill Bill um, ex- 
expand it out and told an interesting story with the right exposition. And Pulp Fiction told me some small vignettes. And and maybe that's how it was intended. Yeah, and again, I think it was. Yeah, I was I was fucking young. But so, they all, you know, they all may, connected. They maybe all connected. I maybe I appreciate it more now. I don't know. Fair enough. Maybe I should yeah. give it another shot. Yeah. But to me, that Pulp Fiction stands to me in my current recollection as about the most overrated movie of all time. Oh wow, that's that's harsh. That's because harsh. I don't think it's bad. Yeah. I would say Avatar, but but, that's but I think whoa, <laughs> well Avatar. I would consider Avatar just the most forgettable movie of all time. How was that? How did the they make all the money? What? Right? Yeah. Anyways. It it had to be because it was like the burgeoning 3D oh, the, movie, the and CGI everyone wanted to. Right. Well, everyone wanted to see 3D, and that was the first like yeah. Yeah. compelling 3D movie. That's true. That yeah. was what sold it because that movie fucking sucks. Sucks. Balls. Yeah. The movie's not yeah. good. Yeah. And no one goddamn remembers it. Like, you can't find... But doing ten more, so whatever. Right. We're all... We're, I mean, we we deal in the world of pop culture, and I, I can't find a hardcore Avatar. I will say right now, and I don't give a fuck, those movies will be shit on so hard when they come out. Oh, totally. They'll make no money. They will make no money. They'll make no money on principle because everyone's mad right. that They're Avatar made the most right. money. Exactly. Exactly. And now, they're, and now they're doing the sequels 10 years later? Right. Right. Like, no, dude, Avatar only mattered because it was the first of its kind. Right. Like, that movie looked... But, like, you saw the trailer for Avatar and you were like, holy shit, I right. have to Haven't see seen this that movie. Before. Right. I have to. Yep. Because this is a different... Like, this is 2007. The world doesn't look like this. Right. And now you're like, oh, I just watched goddamn... I watched a fucking cat turn into a flurkin. You think I need a god... You think I need Pocahontas in space? Right, yeah. Because that's all Avatar was. I know, man. It's the same goddamn script as Pocahontas. Not to jump way off Tarantino too quick, so to jump back in there real quick, uh, Dust Till Dawn. I love Dust Till Dawn. And, uh, what was Dust it? Till Dawn. The, the, the band, the bar band yeah. in Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Um, who's all of a sudden name is escaping me. I, I know, yeah. I fucking love that yeah. record. That yeah. is the most like fucking jammy yes. like faux Stevie Ray Vaughan yep. jammer. I love Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. That so, was Robert Rodriguez. He was the Quentin Tarantino, but Tarantino wrote and was starting it. Yeah, Quentin, he, it. he yeah. wrote and yeah, yeah he was, he was uh, right. fucking Clooney's brother. Right. I was going to say so. And Selma Hayek's big So break. Quentin Tarantino made me love George Clooney. Because until that point he yeah, was, oh, I he agree. was ER George Clooney. Right, he, That's was all ER, he was. I agree. He was ER George Clooney, and now he has a fucking sleeve tattoo up his neck. Dude, well, he is. And he's killing dudes. He was a vampire hunter, and he was fucking Badass. smooching Selma Hayek. Right. Yep. Who like? I don't care if we're talking about '93 or 2012. Selma Hayek right. is bad to the bone. That's right. That's right. And George Clooney is just like that. I mean, there's so many like random lines from that. All right. Hard drinkers, let's drink hard. Yeah. Just shit like that, you know. That movie is, rules. It is very, and it's a great mixture of that Tarantino. movie gave us Michael Parks. Yes, yes, who was just a treat. Yes, and not only that, but to me, brought Cheech back. Mm-hmm. You know, because they got all kinds of pussy. They got wet pussy. They got yeah. dry pussy. They got black pussy. They got white pussy. We got pink pussy. 
if you can find any other pussy out there, fuck it. Right. So, Dude, that I love mo- Cheech, man. That movie rules. It's so good. It's such a great movie. Uh, Harvey Keitel kicks ball yes. ass in that movie. Um, what's his daughter? The daughter's name? Um, um, oh my god. Um, she's the only one who lives through the whole thing. Her and Clooney live in the end. Dude. Hit pause. Hit Dude. pause. Hit pause. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Juliette Lewis. Yes. And, and you can't forget about Machete. Right. Uh, Danny Trejo. Bad. That's, like, well, that's where he started well, getting that was, shit. Yeah. That was Robert Rodriguez right. and, and uh, fucking Tarantino gave him, gave him a spot. And I, I, I love Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. And I, I love a lot of Tarantino. It's not like, I'm not going to be that guy that shits on him by any means. I think he's been wonderful. I loved Django Unchained. Like, yeah. I loved, uh, like I said, I loved Kill Bill. I loved Reservoir Dogs. I've loved a lot of his work. But I also feel like a lot of his work just kind of goes in this place of... And to be fair, I think you can say the same for most cult artists. Yeah. That a a lot of them get maybe credit they don't deserve... For certain shit, yeah. For 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 certain shit, because they've been they've done it in the past. so wonderful at right. other things. Like right. again, as someone who like you don't make Death Wish with Kurt Russell or no, no, not that. What was the that was Death Wish? It was um, he was driving the car around, fucking killing those stunt girls. Hit pause. Because <laughs> um, it's got once again, what's her name? Clerks too. Yeah, yeah. So. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson, yes, thank you. So, yeah, you're getting Death Proof. But I, but I think that's even when you saw like Death Proof and shit like that, like Death Proof was written in a silly way. Like that was, oh, ad, sure. that was advertised right. in a silly way. And that's cool. Right. But like I think when, when you see a lot of these cult artists, um, and I include even with shit that I love. I'll be very quick to uh, to throw and give credit to things that maybe are eh, like you're resting on your laurels. Yeah, you know? yeah. Say a Kevin Smith, for example, who I love. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be an apologist for uh, I don't know a cop out. Oh yeah, or yeah. Uh, um. I mean, I, I want to name. I want to bullshit. So I remember that I liked Red State. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Tusk was what it, Tusk was a good movie, but what you know wasn't a Kevin Smith movie. And I'll, think, I'll stand by a cop out that I actually think Tracy Morgan was very well, Tracy Morgan's funny. funny and, yeah, I like Tracy Morgan. Um, and I'll stand by Jersey Girl that I think it was sweet. You know, it's funny. I just watched that the other day, like really for the first time. Yeah. I sat down and watched it. It's a sweet movie. It's okay. Yeah. It's a sweet... Like, um, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince anyone like no. Jersey Girls. No. The fu- a fucking great movie. But it's a cute movie. You know why I stayed away from it? Because I thought Jennifer Lopez was like the co-star. No. She's, she's in, in it for she's 10 minutes. She's like a picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But it's like... Jersey, Girl, never, Jersey Girl's a cute fucking movie. Yeah. And I thought like it was the first time I ever saw um, Liv Tyler act. Yeah. Everything else was just kind of her reacting to shit and, or being an elf. And that was also, not only was it the first time that you saw Liv Tyler act, that was the first time that you really saw George Carlin act. Yeah. And boy, was it delightful. He was. Like, like yeah. Carlin in that movie, 
makes that movie. I agree. Yeah, I like Carlin. Carlin is fucking like as the grandpa in that flick. Really goddamn delightful. And Stephen Root, yeah, um, sneaks in as being like really yep. fucking empathetic. Yep, and and really can't like. That's again. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, that movie deserves Academy Awards." Right, right. But it's a fu- like. There's a lot of worse movies that people oh, fuck, like yeah. and watch a lot. Like that's a charming yeah. movie. It's a, right. That's a cute fucking movie, and it's got some really great performances in it. Yeah. yeah. And if nothing else, but to hear, but to watch Ben Affleck and George Carlin and Stephen Root do. Um, Sweeney Todd right. with a kid. Yeah. And you talk about, say, a um, one thing in that movie that I think can go, can get lost in the shuffle. I understand why it would, but they, like, you talk about a, a, a Ben Affleck who, like him or not, the dude clearly knows how to act and deliver. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and he does in that movie what I think is probably the hardest thing for an actor to do. In that movie, he plays being a shitty actor as a dad in a kid's show. Right, right, yeah. And he does it in a way that makes me think... He's actually kind of an oafy, shitty actor right. that just loves his kid. And I think that's a lot harder to play than a lot of us give credit for. Yeah. You know, like, that's, like, of all the things to play, to act like you're bad at something that you're good at right. has got to be really hard. And, like, the scenes that, like, when he shows up to that uh, school auditorium mm-hmm. and he's like, stomp one time. And he, like, delivers that with that weird, boisterous, like, clearly overacting right. way. Yeah. And his daughter fucking lights up like Christmas morning. Like, holy shit, dude. That's a really, that's yeah. a really beautiful moment. Yeah. At that, again, it's not beautiful in the sense that it deserves an Academy right. Award. But it's... It's really lovely that it, it deserves to not be shit on. It doesn't, it doesn't make me uh, weep. Like, uh, in Field of Dreams. Right! Dad, do you want to have a catch? Oh my god. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Tears. For must days. Well, must well shoot old Yeller. For days. Yeah. I, dude, you know what gets me even more in that movie the older I get? So, uh, uh, how do I do this without being overly emotional? My biggest connection to my father is baseball. Mm-hmm. We have a great relationship. He's a wonderful man. Our, our life is happy. So I'm not yeah, trying to portray no, 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 no. this as like, oh, well, we have is baseball. But probably our biggest mutual interest is baseball. Got me into his kid. So, like, naturally, that moment in Field of Dreams that makes every man cry makes the both of us cry. Right. But the older I get, when I watch Field of Dreams now, that still makes me tear up. But what makes me cry hard, like, hard, I I get weepy, is in Field of Dreams when Moonlight Graham elects 
to cross over the foul line oh, yeah. to, save, to save his daughter. Oh, my, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he yeah. lets his dream go. And doesn't it kind of bum me out, though, that he just did it all because she was choking on a hot dog? Right. Like, couldn't anybody smack her That's what back? I'm saying. I'm like, like a doctor for that I'm shit. like, motherfucker, yeah. Kevin Costner, you can't. Right. It's a hot dog. Bitch, yep, right? I knew yep. how to save someone from that right. when I was in third grade. And it, it was made at your house. This isn't a real ballpark. Right. You made that hot dog. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You brought Moonlight Graham back from the grave to just wink right. at someone? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then hit a single and then give it away? But like that, that shit. Win one for me, boys. Dude, that one. I might makes, tear up now. That one makes me cry. Maybe harder than any moment in you know what it is in TV it, right now. It's Kevin Costner's that pause. Yeah, it's that broken voice. That, it's like Dad, but do you want to have a cat? It's yeah, a, <laughs> it just kills me every time, man. And you know, I'm kind of the same way. And, and, me and but, my dad, our relation not the most we have in common is through baseball stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's what we talk about a lot. And I never watched that movie. I don't know if I could sit down and watch that movie with him. I might. I don't think I could go through it. Oh, I don't think I could. I haven't. It's hard. I don't think I could. I could do it. Like that, and that's the thing. Like, like I said, with my, we have a wonderful right. relationship yeah. that's full of shared enjoyment and joy, and he gives me right. wisdom all the time. But when we are, when my dad and I are watching baseball or talking about baseball, that is the. That's the only time that we're ever peers. Oh, sure. That's, yeah. So, like, there's there's a million times that my dad is my mentor, and then my dad doesn't give a shit or no shit about art or music, um, but he cares about what I'm into, so he's right. interested. Right. But in that but moment, no. Right. But in, in that moment, on it, right. I'm. Kind of his mentor. Right. Showing him what's up. Right. Baseball's the only thing that he and I are mutually interested in and mutually intelligent in. So, like, that, that that's the, the great denominator. That right. when we go to a baseball game and we see someone take a bad route to a ball in the outfield or make a foolish base running play. Right. We can commiserate or debate right. or laugh. Should or hit that fucking fuck cutoff man. Right. right. Or, like... And we can do it, and we can do it in a in a peer to peer way. We right. can do it, and we we share this. Right. And I think that's the only thing that we have that way. Which is why, when I see shit like that, like in a, a, when I was a kid, there was nothing I wanted more than like, and there was nothing my dad wanted more than to oblige that. Like my dad. Worked 80-hour work weeks at Kmart. He was an assistant manager at Kmart. My dad worked 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. four nights a week. And then the fifth and sixth day, he worked 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then he was off one day. And the days that he was off at 6 p.m., he would come home naturally exhausted. And any time I said, Dad, you want to throw the baseball? He would say, absolutely. That's like, cool. my dad never said no to throwing the baseball to me because he knew it was what I wanted more than anything. But that's what he wanted. Right. Like, he wanted that the same way I did. Yep. And so now as adults, when we have that moment, like, 
you know, my, my dad's birthday's in June. Mm-hmm. And oh, typically, every year for his birthday, I'll take him to a baseball game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of the, the, the stereotypical gift. And it's it's that thing time, that right. every year that, like, right. we're going to sit there, you know, we're going to have a couple of beers. Right. We're going to fucking talk shit about X, Y, and Z players. Right. We're gonna we're gonna say nothing but say goddamn everything at the same time, right? And uh, let's say you know, I'll, like I'll, me I'll and my dad, right? You know, uh, we you know we don't see each other a lot. You know, we don't live in the same town or whatever. But you know, so I see him, you know, maybe once a year, maybe a couple times more. He comes around. I, we do like a, a Thanksgiving Christmas thing at my place, so he comes up. Blah blah. You know, he's been kind of under the weather and sick lately, so you don't see him as much. He hasn't been up as much, but. Mm-hmm. When I go down there, we play in this, you know, golf tournament with the Springfield Cardinals. Yeah. So it's still baseball-oriented, blah, uh-huh. blah, We both suck at fucking golf. So <laughs> it has nothing to do with golf. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just the baseball connection, blah, blah, sure. blah. Um, but I thought about this, too. I don't know. I don't think it's just the sports thing. Because, you know, I'm a, I like sports and everything, but I'm not all about the sports. Sure. But I wrote this down because I think we should talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be honest. Yeah. Movies that make us cry. Oh, my God. I can be very honest about that. Um, in the After uh, Field of Dreams, Hoosiers comes right into my head. I don't know if you watched Hoosiers, Gene Hackman. I, I remember Hoosiers. Never really watched it, though. It was I mean, before my time. It was. It was an early 80s kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and based on a true story. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the end, you know, they go through all this, the small Indiana town. I'm not going to hope I don't ruin it for you. It's 40 years old. Well, right. Spo- uh, spoilers have a time you know, right you know they win the big the big game but it's close you know uh-huh. and at the end you know it's you know the hoopla's over on the court they pan back to the small court in Indiana it's just a little kid shooting buckets in the gym with like the over mm-hmm. the audio of like Gene Hackman as a coach saying a couple things at the end it's like I love you guys like in the huddle you know it's like god damn it, 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 I don't it's, like. I don't full on ball, right? But it'll be a. But it's, it, right, it gets you that. <laughs> right, right. It does. It does. That, that that just that right amount of mistiness. That, like yeah. you, you can't. I feel like there's a lot of things in this life that I've gotten really good at bullshitting through, but I can't bullshit through how emotional I am. Yeah. Just at life in general. You want to learn yeah. about my psychological issues? Most of these movies we're going to talk about. I have to change the channel or turn off when that hits because I can't take it. Facts. I can't take it. And before we <laughs> jump into that, I'm going to take a pee. Yeah. That's cool. Totally, totally. Or should we uh, want to full on get okay. into that? Do we want to get, in get into that? To movies that make me cry. Um, We're a few beers deep. I've had a little something extra. Do I want to get into movies? I, well... <laughs> The real question there is because part of me just, wants, to, because wants I, to research it, but I don't want to research it. I am. Uh, I don't know if it's shown through in the podcast. Sometimes a good cry is okay, right? I don't know if it's shown through in the podcast, but I imagine in our friendship, you 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 may have gathered this. I'm a some would say overly emotional human being. I wouldn't say overly. Um, it doesn't take much to make me cry. Um, and movies, especially it's movies and television are, uh, do this really wonderful thing of allowing me to, oh, excuse me. It's the claws. 
Fat seltzer. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. <laughs> um, it, it's that, uh, I've, so I've learned over the years, um, especially since I became a teacher, um, I've learned to divorce, um, my approach to life, my general feelings with, with what's healthy for other people to do. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think so. so like I, I, I take very seriously that my, my job is to mold and inform young people. And I'm, I'm very honest with those young people about, um, my issues with anxiety or depression. I, I, I try to be helpful mm-hmm. in that sense. And I, and I, and I want to be a source of, of honesty of like, Hey man, like I am an adult that is seemingly well adjusted that has a good life. Like I'm, I'm extraordinarily happy. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a happy and productive life, but I do deal with X, Y, and Z that I think you probably deal with too. And I, while I, I drink too much and hate myself constantly, I do think I'm a relatively healthy version of how to deal with those feelings. Right. You know, like I think while, while what happens in my head is very ugly, I have been able to create a, a, a pretty positive. You don't life. manifest it for everybody. Yeah, else. right. Yeah, like I've created a pretty happy and healthy life, yes. and I'm very proud of that. Right. So I try very hard to be honest with with my students in that same realm of like, hey man, like I know you're feeling X, Y, and Z, but here's some healthier coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that c- c- can make you um, feel good. But at the end of the day, like, for, so so for me, that that divorce then becomes a big reality in TVs and TV and movies. So right. like for me, it doesn't take much I'm, for me to cry yeah. in those places because it, it, it allows me to like, I, f- I'm very good at filling in the gaps of, of how I feel. So a, a lot of movies, and a lot of TV makes me cry. I, for the longest time, it, it's only been really the last probably 10 years where I've been like, shit just gets me that I didn't see mm-hmm. coming. Like, in dumb shit, I, I don't say I lost it. Last episode of Big Fucking Big Bang Theory. Yeah? It was a little, that's fucking nice. Yeah. That's, that's nice. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. <laughs> like, pause. Yeah. Okay, man. I'm good. You know? Um, and I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's like just anxiety built up that I never dealt with. I don't uh-huh. you know. I, I don't know. Um, because it wasn't like it was a... I mean, the, the last scene for Bing Bang Theory... Bing Bang. Big Bang Theory was, you know, Sheldon getting the Nobel Prize and thanking his friends. But mm-hmm. he was kind of like thanking them individually. Yeah. So I was like, oh, fuck. That's, that's, and that's, that's touching. Growth. Right. You know what I mean? So maybe it was just like... I don't know. I always think too deep into. I mean, it's fucking Big Bang Theory. So sure. It's like, but you're like, am I not telling my friends how I feel right. about them? Am I not taking? But that, you know what but I mean. But we or, all do. I, right. I, I think that's what makes those moments so. And I think that's why that's what makes people like you and I 
love pop culture is right. that we it makes get, you feel something. And you get the well, and you get those cathartic moments yeah. of like you, you then, you take a moment that is just a silly moment of entertainment for most of the world, and it allows you to ask yourself an extraordinarily important question, like. The idea of, am I telling my friends I care about them enough? Right. It's a very important question, right? And it's one a lot of people don't ask themselves. And maybe you are, maybe you aren't. There's there's a million places on the spectrum you could be. But the fact that someone telling a story makes you think, oh shit, man, I do really fucking love my friends. Right. I, I care so much about them. Right. And I don't know that I express that right. in an effective way. Right. Like that's a that's a powerful statement. That's a that's that's beyond anything, right? And you know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know where this comes from. Why is it just shit built up, or is it just I'm paying attention more than I did ten, fifteen years sure. ago? You know what I mean? Um, or certain things matter more or whatever. You know, I, I don't know where it comes from, where it started. But like I said, you know, I've watched Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, you know, we'll bullshit about this for a minute, but I think we should really... I'm gonna, I want to research oh, yeah. for like a week and like... Because I, I, I know I'm forgetting t- so many movies and shows mm-hmm. that gave me that, that feeling. Um, but, you know, the, like the couple that popped up, the Field of Dreams, you know, Steve Catch, and the, who... I I love I love that it makes me feel feel yeah I feel I you know I don't not that I don't you know you know what I'm closed off to the world uh-huh. that I'm a fucking icicle type thing you know but other than movies and stuff and the occasional you know family tragedy I I, I cry. See, that's I for me it's it's the opposite. Yeah. For me I, I love it in I love that having those those finales, those those moments of finality give me an excuse to be human um in a way that people accept. So so, so for example, like we were talking earlier this week I, I probably had a little too much to drink, um, and I was up at the bar um, while you were driving the cart yeah, sure. for the birds game. And before I left, I was like, Brandon, I love you. <laughs> right. And I left. And it was it's like, yeah, John's drunk. Of course he said that. But I feel that on a very daily totally, basis. Totally, yeah. And... And I don't get to say that. And that's well, also I, like, I know exactly what you mean. I have, like, Gibson, who's been out here, has been my best friend since we're four years old. Um, I don't have the words to express how much I care about him. Sure. However, every now and again, we'll see, like, we'll go, we'll watch, when we watch Superbad together... We both laughed in the theater, and then we both cried together because that was us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and w- when I have something that gives me 
a, a socially acceptable reason to express other because usually I feel like oh I have to be drunk to say this because it wouldn't be socially acceptable for me to just tell people like hey right. man I really fucking care about you like right. th- th- this provides value to to my life that that that, that means a lot to me yes um, it's hard to say that fucking hey right um, of course it is so then. Uh, movies and TV then gives me that language. It gives me that moment to be like, hey man, let's be emotional together. Yeah. Yeah. To then g- g- express that feeling in a weird way. This, uh, maybe we'll wrap up on this. Sure. Here's my simile for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Crying to me, this is me, mm-hmm. is a lot like puking. I will avoid it as long as possible. I will do whatever it takes to fucking uh-huh. push it down and make it not happen. Once it happens, I feel, I feel so fucking so good. much better. I feel, I feel so, good. so much better. So, on that, take that for what it's worth. And we'll, we'll talk more about crying movies that's, next week. That's right. There you go. There's the Jordan podcast. Kids. After Toy Man. That's right. See ya.